Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today, I want to continue our series called The Showdown. I'm speaking from the subject, Watch What You Hear. This is part two today, and we're going through the story of a man named Micaiah and two kings, Ahab and a man named Jehoshaphat. The the whole story is found in 1 Kings chapter 22. Preaching through the entire chapter, I'd encourage you to um, write it down, read that on your own time. We'll be going through quite a few verses today. But before we get into that story, I want to anchor in this verse found in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this, So faith, and we need faith right now. This is how faith is created. This is how it's found. This is where it comes from. It comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. So faith, it's real. It's powerful. It comes from somewhere. If you need it, you can get it. Here's how. It comes from hearing. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to discover the power of your hearing. Faith comes from hearing, and not just hearing anything, but hearing through the Word of God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come right now. Speak to us. Challenge us. Change us. Anoint us. And may we hear your words to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have been going through this story, really for the past few weeks we've been talking about the life of Ahab and now we're fast forwarding to the tragic downfall of the wicked King Ahab. He was a king over Israel and he had made an alliance with a righteous king named Jehoshaphat. Now this man, he had lived his life um, under the anointing of God. He had, he had the hand of God on his life and on his leadership. And because he had the hand of God, the anointing of God on his life, everything he touched flourished. See, when you have the anointing of God, it's like having the Midas touch, where everything turns into gold in, in, in your business, in your family. It's not that things go perfectly, but it is that things are blessed. And what Jehoshaphat put his hands to, his mind to, his leadership, his skills, his wisdom to, it began to be blessed. It was the opposite with Ahab. Because Ahab abdicated the anointing, he lived in a land of famine and drought. His people had turned away from God. He had turned his back on God. Therefore, God had turned his back on him. You couldn't get two more different kings, one from Judah, one from Israel, but they both were called to be God's people. Only one was walking in it. The problem began when Jehoshaphat and Ahab, they made an alliance They made an alliance even though their allegiances were to two totally different gods. That invited tragedy into their midst. When they came together, Ahab had the idea, now that our families are joined through marriage, now that we have this covenant, now that we have this alliance, let's go to war together. This isn't what Jehoshaphat wanted to do, but it's amazing how quickly sin will turn you away from who you are what path you are walking on, what you're calling, what you're anointing, what your gifting is, as soon as it captures you in an alliance. It's amazing how quickly when you get caught up in, maybe it's not even sin, foolishness. When you get caught up in what is not you, how quickly it begins to drag you away from your purpose, from your calling. Sin means missing the mark. It's really simply what it means. And it's amazing as we begin to miss the mark that God set out for us, as we begin to ally ourselves with things that we shouldn't be, in places we shouldn't be, around people we shouldn't be, doing things we shouldn't be, how quickly we begin to fall down this slippery slope to becoming who we never were called to be. 
Because Jehoshaphat got close to Ahab, now the good king gets brought down to become like the wicked king. Because by the way, isn't that always how it is? No one ever pulls someone up. It's always that we get pulled down. If you could put a C player with a bunch of A players, that, those A players always becomes C players. It's because of the law of entropy that just humanity tends towards destruction. That's why you have to be very aware who and what you are allied with. This is why I'm talking about what you're hearing right now. Because you've got to put your faith in something that can pull you up, not drag you down. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. We have to watch what we're listening to. What we listen to activates our spiritual discernment. You know, the past few weeks, I haven't even done this purposefully, but I've been speaking about senses. If you go back a couple weeks ago, I began to speak about um, the sense of sight, talked about the sense of taste. Now I'm talking about the sense of hearing, the sense of sound, the sense of listening. And you have this spiritual sense where you can hear God. That's called discernment. I think it's interesting that as as the plague that humanity is going, um, is fighting against right now, one of the ramifications of it is it attacks your senses. It attacks your senses. How much more then should we be honing, refining, working on our spiritual senses? Your sense of taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. Your sense of sight, your sense of touch, your sense of smell, your sense of hearing. I believe that God wants to speak to you, but you have to tune your ears to hear him. You know, it's a lot like a radio. When you just turn a radio on on any old station, many times you'll just get white noise, just sound, just, just um, dissonance. But in order to hear what you want to hear, you have to tune in to the correct station. And a lot of times, even in the process of tuning in, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, sometimes you'll hit a station in between stations and you'll get two different sounds, two different songs, two different words. And a lot of times that causes chaos and confusion. In order to hear the words you want to hear, you have to tune in to the right station. It works that way spiritually as well. In order to move away from noise, in order to hear heaven, you have to tune into the voice of God the things of God, the channel, the programming of God. You have to tune your spiritual ears, your discernment to hear truth, not lie. To, to understand how to, to slice between error, misinformation, ungodly narratives, strange things, lack of faith, a whole lot of fear or general noise. Instead, turning your back on that, you have to tune into the still small voice of God. He speaks in a whisper. You know, it's interesting Jehoshaphat and Ahab, they decide, what, what are we going to do? Well, let's call in the prophets to hear what should we do before we go to war. Let's get an accurate word, which then will bring us the advantage before we go to war. So they bring in 400 prophets. 400 prophets is a lot of noise, but none of them are speaking the word of God. It's amazing to me how that God just seems to work this way. In the Old Testament, time after time, the mainstream, the loud, the noisemakers are never in alignment with the still small voice of God. It's as if God wants to create a very clear picture for you and I. If it's accepted by the world, it's generally not me. If it's a complete agreement with all the institutions and society and the backing of all of them, it's generally not the way I'm going to speak. If you want to hear me, you're going to have to remove yourself from the crowd. You're going to have to go a long way off. 
We find Jesus praying early in the morning, late at night, always isolated. Why? Because he's saying, in order for me to be who I'm going to be, do what I'm going to do, I cannot crowdsource my convictions. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm preaching my sermon before I'm preaching it. But after all that noise, Jehoshaphat, who uses his discernment, said, I'm hearing a lot of stuff, but I'm not hearing what sounds like God. Come on, let's find a man of God. And so they pursue to hear a word of God because one accurate word can bring an advantage. That's always how it is in war. One accurate word can bring an advantage. We saw that in World War II, that the Allies won. In fact, many people say the Allies won two to four years earlier because they had a better information system coming in to Bletchley Park in, in England. They had a better decoding system. They had a better way of capturing information. They had, a, they had more analysts working on it. What am I saying? I'm saying one accurate word from God, listening at the right time to the right voice can help you win this spiritual battle that you are in. And we are in a spiritual battle. Now is the time to go after the right voice, the voice of God. So Ahab says, Let's find a man that's going to speak the, 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 the truth of God. Because Jehoshaphat had asked. So he said, go get me Micaiah. They knew who the guy was. Isn't it interesting that Ahab knew right away? All right. You want to hear oh, God's prophet? I thought you just meant generally prophets. Oh, God's prophet. Be more specific, man. Uh, yeah, that's Micaiah. They instantly knew who God, God's prophet was. And that's the way that it is. Many times in life, people will have lots of information. They know who to go to for different sources. But when they need to go to a man or a woman of God, when they need prayer, when they need help, counseling, they know who to go to. They know who to go to. They might not go to you for a whole lot of other reasons, but in the moment of their greatest need, they know you're the one to go to. Ah, Micaiah is the one that knows the sound of God, the truth of God, the word of God. So they send a messenger after Micaiah. The messenger arrives on scene and it's amazing what he says to the man Micaiah. He, 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 he goes to summon him. Many commentators believe Micaiah was even at this moment in prison, but he goes to summon him to find him. And this is what he says. He says, hey, look, the other prophets, without exception, are predicting success for the king. He's letting them in on, on what's already going on. He's saying, let me tell you, just before you get there, right? Everyone is saying the king's going to succeed. Everyone. They're in agreement. All of the news stations are broadcasting it. Everyone's, everyone's saying this is what's going to happen. He's letting them in. This is what's going to happen. They're all predicting success for the king. All right? Now, understand, I know you're a prophet, and I, I don't know how your whole thing works, but I'm just telling you, let me help you out. Here's the word. Here's the word. Let your word Agree with theirs and speak favorably. See, here we already find a problem. Here's prophetic peer pressure. You would think one of the greatest prophets standing before great kings in the ancient, there's no peer pressure. But even in the ancient time, listen, even under people who are seeking God, there can be peer pressure. Even in the church, there can be peer pressure. Even amongst godly people, there can be peer pressure. Hey, listen, this is what we're doing. This is what we're saying. Don't rock the boat. Don't stick out. Don't be different. Don't have your own word from God. Come on, let's, let's, let's let this be simple and easy. And you know what else really bothers me about this messenger is that he's already trying to get Micaiah to position himself for himself to, to benefit. You know, he's almost letting him know, hey, everyone's saying favorably, you do it too. 
There might be something in here for you. Come on. You could be the prophet that's already at the court. You could get riches. You could get gold. I mean, they're already speaking this. It won't even cost that much. David says, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. Hear me. Many times when you hear from God, it's always truth. Therefore, many times it's going to have a cost. Truth always has a cost. David says, I'm not going to come before God just to fit in, just to align with everyone else, just to give him nothing. He's too good of a God. And see, this is what Micaiah knows. If I'm going to speak truth, I'm going to speak what God says, not what everyone else says. That has no cost. That makes me not stand out. That has no difference. God has called me out of this world. Don't be like this world, uh, the Bible says, but instead be different, be transformed, renew your mind. See, the temptation here is to forsake truth as long as there's unity. Forsake truth as long as there's agreement. Forsake truth as long as there's uniformity. And that's a real temptation. That's not just here, it's now. Hey, if you don't rock the boat, we can all succeed. We can all agree. We can all move on. We can all get going. We can all. But hear me, there comes a time where, and I, 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 I value peace and I value unity. But if unity comes at the sake of truth, then it is, it is not to be desired. Truth despite the cost. Now hear me, when you pay the price of truth, it will always lead into unity, but real unity, not counterfeit unity. You get what I'm saying? And so, so here... Here, there is this peer pressure with the temptation to conform. Join the choir of agreement. Come on. Doesn't matter what your heart says. Doesn't matter what your convictions say. Doesn't matter what your values are. This is what all the churches are doing. This is what all the families are doing. This is what all the soccer moms are doing. This is what everyone's doing. This is what everyone's doing. Raise your kids this way. Speak to them that way. Have them look this way. Act this way. Be this way. Hear me. If the world is sliding off the cliff and you choose to raise your hand and say, hey, I don't think this is a positive thing, people might say, well, you're disrupting the unity, and yet you're doing the right thing. And so here is a choice. Do you become acceptable to society, or do you become acceptable to God? It's the choice the church has right now. It's the place we're at right now. And if the church has it, I know the Christian has it. Do we become acceptable to God or acceptable to society? Romans 12 says this, do not be conformed to this world. That's the temptation. Resist conforming your thoughts, your opinions, your ideologies, your belief system, the way that you speak. Be careful to not conform your words or the word of God to the words of this world, but instead be transformed. Let's go to a higher level. Let's be elevated. Let's move into a different space, a different place. We don't want to be conformed, which is lower, which is little, which is less, which is integrated. We want to come out, be separate, be unique, be chosen, be royal, be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that by testing you may discern. There's that word. What is the will of God? We know what the will of man is. They shout it 24-7. There's 400 prophets shouting it. But what is the will of God? Because that is what is good. That is what accept, is acceptable. That is what is perfect. The choice that we have is, are we going to crowdsource our convictions? Because if we do, we will always get caught up in compromise. Or as a church, as people right now, will we double down? on our convictions and our values, on what we find and who we are based on the word of God, even if it means 
even if it means we're not in complete agreement with everyone in culture in society right now, even if it brings us into conflict, because that's where it brought Micaiah. He, he goes now into conflict. He arrives before both kings. They're sitting on their thrones. They're in front of all of their courts, all of the false prophets, out, out by the gate. I mean, it's a prestigious affair. And, and, and here they are sitting. Micaiah walks up, and, and there's that even that pressure of the atmosphere, that pressure to conform even, even more so just based on the surroundings. And Ahab says, Micaiah, you can feel the tension in the air, okay? Because he can't stand Micaiah. Micaiah never preached, uh, prophesies the words he wants to hear. Micaiah, you know, there's that, that unspoken tension. Do you think that we should go up and fight, or do you think we shouldn't? And Micaiah has a, it's just a brilliant answer. He, he says this, he says, go up, go up, triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. He says exactly what everyone else is saying, you know, but he doesn't say it like everyone else is saying it. They're shouting, they're dancing, they're like making horns and like doing these prophetic actions. But here Micaiah is like, oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You can feel the sarcasm dripping off these words. And, and the king can sense it too. He can sense that, the, that you're not being real. Come on, you're being hollow. You're being fake. But what I love is the humanity, even the humor found in this. All right, go ahead. Hey, you want me to speak favorably so much? I'll speak favorably. Go on up. We know that, we, that commentators believe that uh, Micaiah was actually a disciple of Elijah. And remember when Elijah made fun of all of the prophets of Baal? <laughs> Here we find like, he inherited that as well from his mentor. Yeah, go ahead. Go up. You'll triumph, I'm sure. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. The king says, okay, you know what? You're not being honest. You're not being real. What I love about this moment, though, is it exposes the foolishness of the situation. What Micaiah is saying is, you want me to have no opinion. You want me to actually not hear from God. You want me to just, just speak favorably for favorability's sake. Speak in agreement for unity's sake. And, and you want me to forsake truth for it. Well, this is what it sounds like. Go ahead. Go ahead. But it's hollow. It's hollow. It's not real. The reality is there can be a gospel preached from the world from many different prophets, but it's hollow. And you adding your voice into it wouldn't be the right thing. It would remain hollow. Or, or let, me, let me put it this way. There could be another gospel preached from the world but you don't have to come into agreement with it. You don't have to speak from a convictionless place. I'm talking to the normal Christian because you say, what can I do? Well, you don't have to amen something that's not worthy of your amen. You don't have to come into agreement with your mind, with your heart, with your posts, with your words, with your families. You have the right to disagree and you have the right to even be a little sarcastic. I like it. He's even kind of making fun of their ideology a little bit because it's so ridiculous, so ridiculous that he wants him to speak in unity, even though it's not true. I mean, look at the proverb here. The proverb here says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful is a friend's honesty, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Sometimes an enemy will come with all sorts of flattering nature and words, but the reality, it, it, it truth is what friends bring, even if it, if it cuts a little deep. The king says, no, nah, come on, I know, I know the real you. I know when you're really speaking honestly, and I know when you are speaking for God. I want the truth, and I want nothing but the truth. I wonder, can we say that today?
I want the truth. And I want nothing but the truth. That's a, that's a difficult phrase to not just say, but to mean. I want the truth and nothing but the truth. Do we? As a society, as a nation, do we want the truth? Nothing but the truth. Because the truth costs. The truth has consequence. The truth is a sword. Sometimes the truth will be a painful subject, but it is greater than the lie. So much greater, so much more powerful. Sets people free. See, the temptation is to avoid truth, to keep the illusion of security. But what is security if it's not undergirded by reality? I pray, we as a church at least, we as Christians at least, cling to truth even if it's out of season, seems out of touch. I pray we cling, cling to truth even if it's rejected and certainly not celebrated by culture. You might have to exchange people celebrating you. Profuses kiss, profuses, profusive, is that the word? Kisses from an enemy. You might have to exchange that in order to hold fast to truth. This is where we find Micaiah. He says, all right, you want the truth? I'll give you the truth. No longer after you hear the truth will you be able to stay in willful blindness, hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil. When you get the truth, you're going to be responsible for it. Micaiah begins to prophesy God's words. He said, I saw all of Israel, and they were scattered on the mountains. They were like sheep that have no shepherd. I saw the end of this battle, and it wasn't good. I know they all told you it was good, but I actually have God's word. This is going to bring pain. This is not the direction you want to go. This is not the path that you want to walk. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Hey, listen, I love you so much. I celebrate you. I'm for you. That's not the relationship that you need to be in. That maybe that's not the person that God has for you. That's not the actions that God has designed you for. Come on, let's move away from that cycle of addictions. You say, well, that's painful. I know, but it's to your benefit. Truth, it's always to your benefit. He says, I, I've seen the future. This is not the way that you should go, the battle that you should fight, the war that you should engage with because it's defeat for Israel and death for Ahab. Not only are they scattered, they've got no shepherd. So, so you're going you're to sacrifice your kingship. You're going to sacrifice your authority. You're going to sacrifice your, your, your calling and, and your direction. You're going to give it all up. Hear me, sin has a high cost. It costs everything, not just your life. It takes all the benefits of, of your calling. It takes your place in life. It takes your surroundings. Ahab was going to lose everything because of his prideful sin. And, and, and now God sends Micaiah along with this hidden opportunity. Because, you know, it might sound like evil being prophesied, but the reality is there's a hidden opportunity in here. There's truth, which now leaves Ahab with a choice to listen to God's word and live or deny it. And that brings death. Look, this is how God's word works. It always releases the freedom of choice, but also brings the responsibility of truth. So I want to give you these keys because this will help you navigate your week, your month, your life. God's word will always give you the freedom to choose. Say, I can do whatever I want. That's true. You can do whatever you want. But not everything is beneficial. Not everything is wise. Not everything is the right choice. It gives you the freedom to choose, but it also 
will give you the responsibility of truth. It's like two hands on a steering wheel. Freedom to choose, the responsibility of truth. If you can use these wisely, you can navigate your life around obstacles in a certain direction, in a right orientation. These two truths will help you begin to bring discernment into your decisions, into your family, into your future. I can do whatever I want, but what is truthful? And if I can hold this tension of of responsible to truth, yet I'm not going to give up my freedom to choose. I'm going to use these things. God now can really use you to lead yourself. I'm saying all this because right now, we also are in a place like Israel is. We are like sheep without a shepherd. We're scattered abroad. And, and who you maybe used to listen to, you can't listen to anymore. Yeah, they're prophesying, but it's not of God. Yeah, you've got kings, but they don't worship your God. Yeah, you've got institutions, but they are crumbling. So what do you do? You lead you. Make wise choices. Love the truth. Know the truth. Pursue the truth. Lead your family. Help lead this church. Wherever you're at, begin to stand up and speak and pray. And I believe that if you can engage these two things, it will be like a compass to bring you in the right direction. Because Ahab shirked his responsibility, he instead made some poor choices. Because he denied God's word and pursued a word that was favorable but wrong, he ended up making some massive mistakes. Look look at what it says here in Proverbs. It says, whoever gives thought to the word. Whoever gives thought, whoever meditates, whoever wants to hear, whoever, whoever thinks about the word will discover good. It's a process. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord because the wise of heart is called discerning. Those that have wisdom in their heart, they're discerning people. Well, but I want to focus in on this key phrase. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good. See, Micaiah brought the word of God But Ahab wouldn't give thought to it, shirked it, dismissed it, had nothing to do with it. Don't be an Ahab. When God brings the word on Sunday, when he brings the word on Monday, Tuesday, through the Bible, when he brings the word into your life, meditate on it. Think about it. Let the word speak to you because that's when you're going to discover good. You're going to begin to have wisdom begin to well up in your heart. I feel like we as Christians we have lost the art of meditation. We, we've almost met, never even heard the concept of meditation. When I say meditation, many of you think of, you know, perfectly clear waters and you're in a pose on the seashore and crystals surrounding you. Meditation has become Eastern, but the reality is meditation goes all the way back to the Psalms. The Psalms encourage you to to meditate on the word of God. In fact, the Psalms even say, bind the word of God close to you. Keep it on your your head. Keep it on your, close to your your hands. And, you know, if you go to Israel, you will find people walking around with little boxes on their heads. And if you open the little box, there's there's verses in there because they take it that literally. I believe that it's about the mind. Have the word of God on your mind. But they take it so literally, they put the Bible on their head. They wrap it around their arms. So that throughout the day, they're that close to the word of God. Those who meditate, who give thought to the word of God, they'll discover good. And, and, and I feel like we as, as Christians, we might have lost the, 
this principle of meditation. We've given it over to other religions, other pursuits. But I, I would encourage you, there's so much noise. The practice of silencing, stillness, five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, blocking out the noise, tuning into God. If you need, if you need joy or fulfillment or inspiration right now, which I'm sure you do, go to the Psalms. Open it up before. If you need wisdom, if you need the ability to make right choices, go to the Proverbs. If you feel like you're disconnected from your fellow man, go read about Jesus. Begin to meditate on the words in red, and all of a sudden life will begin to spring up, and you will begin to discover good. And you say, how could I discover good? Right now the world is evil, it's fallen, it's difficult, but the word is a wellspring of life. It will begin to rise up in you. That's why the enemy wants to keep us all in a place of avoidance, a place of noise, a place of false prophets and kings that want to just do their own thing. But if you would choose to tune in to the word of God, I believe that that lost art of meditation, that lost art of thinking about the word of God can begin to change your life. The word of God, more than sermons, more than podcasts, you know, more than good books, more than self-help, more than news, the word of God. And I've been, when I was preparing this, reading this verse, it reminded me of my grandmother. We lost her this year and she was a woman of God, teacher all her life. And uh, she taught me in third grade and, and I'm very thankful to, to come from that legacy. Her parents were missionaries in Africa. It's a legacy of, of teaching the word of God. You know what's so interesting is, as we're kind of going through her effects, my dad is finding journal after journal, notebook after notebook, where she begins the day with a verse, just one verse. And then she writes down what she's thinking from that verse and prayers. Prayers for me, prayers for my father's, prayers for our church. Day after day, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. There's, there's notebooks upon notebooks of meditations and prayers. I'm not saying you have to become a monk and go find a nice cave and begin to read the scrolls. What I'm saying is one verse that you think about every day. Write some prayers down. Write some hopes down, some dreams down. Speak to God. I believe that practice can begin to dig a very deep well. So what I'm preaching to you was prayed for many times over by my grandmother many, many years ago. For the words that are going to continue from this stage, that well was dug generations ago because someone practiced the art of meditation. So, so our world is upside down. That doesn't change the word of God. So, so, so many other people are celebrating so many other things. That doesn't change the word of God. Through highs and lows, pain, difficulty, joy and celebration, the word of God is there asking, consider me. Think about me. Use me as your north star. It's the lost art of meditation. But when you begin to act in it, I believe it brings good. We lost my grandfather and my grandmother this year. And, and many people, we've lost so many even Christian leaders this year. I wonder, 
when generations passed on, will the next generation step up? Will the next generation step up? I, 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 think, I think about her praying for me, but now someone's going to pray for my sons. And I pray that we as a church don't lose these simple yet ancient things, these ancient convictions, ancient worship and meditation. Are you with me? Is this helping you? Is this making sense? It's simple. But I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of stuff to hear. You've got to hear God. You've got to hear God. I'm going to conclude right now. But when you go to the word of God, the word of God begins to reveal Jesus. See, when you begin to hear the word of God, it begins to open your spiritual eyes. It gives you discernment in your heart. The word brings revelation. So the word of Micaiah, that prophecy, it came to, it came to pass. And we'll, we'll finish this story next week. But it, that came to pass. That the sheep were scattered. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Leaderless. It came to pass. It was fulfilled. But many years later, the Bible gives us this scene where Jesus is traveling all over Israel, going from city to city, town to town, synagogue to synagogue. And one day a crowd is before Jesus. And, and, and it says this in Matthew, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Hundreds of years later, Jesus is living in the prophecy that Micaiah gave. Micaiah gave it to Ahab, but Ahab represents man. He abdicated his position. He was a lesser king. He couldn't be salvation. He, 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 didn't, he couldn't represent truth. He couldn't be the king that Israel deserved. So that prophecy, it just, just echoed on until the king of kings arrives the true king, the one that does not abdicate his authority, but fulfills his authority. The one that doesn't turn his back on his people, but bends down towards his people. The one whose life was given for us, the true and better Ahab, who Ahab should have been, could have been. Jesus comes and he finds the flock that Ahab abandoned. He finds the people that lost the battle. He, he lives in the prophecy that Micaiah prophesied years before. He said the sheep are going to be left scattered. They're going to have no one. They're going to be distressed. They're going to be going through difficulty. They're going to be used by, by religious leaders like wolves, like vultures. They're going to use these people. They're going, to have, they're going to have no recourse. And because Ahab couldn't do what was right, that prophecy came to pass but yet Jesus comes into the picture. Jesus comes in and when he sees the people still leaderless, still searching for a king, look, they were harassed and helpless. They were in deep distress. Now Jesus is moved by compassion. And, and I, I think this is, this is what Jesus sees when he looks down on us. When 2020 comes, we are a leaderless people. We barely know who our president is. We are harassed and helpless. We are seemingly living under a plague, under a curse. We need help. Who is our protection? Where's our strength? Who is our leader? And it seems with all the plans, man can't step in the gap. Yet here's Jesus. And he comes to be the good shepherd. He comes to be the king of kings. 
comes to be the Lord of Lords. See, when you meditate on the Word of God, God will lead you from one moment to another moment. The Word of God will always reveal Jesus. So here's Jesus in this Old Testament story. Here's Jesus that's going to come and step into the middle of this prophecy and say, I will correct what's going wrong. And I believe here's Jesus coming today into the middle of our situation. And he says, are you scattered? Are you a long way off? Are you struck down by all the noise? Do you not have a king? I am here to speak to you. My words have life and they bring direction. They'll bring fulfillment. Come, come away with me. Be led by my voice. He is the good shepherd. We find him in the Old Testament. We find Jesus in the New Testament. But I believe we can find Jesus, you know, here today in 2020. I pray that our reaction is to receive Jesus and hear his voice and pursue him. I, I, I'm speaking over and over the past few weeks to try and move you away from pursuing self or society or institutions or even safety and move you to pursuing the voice of God right now. It's the only thing that's going to bring life, keep you stable, keep you grounded, steadfast, walk you into eternity. Jesus steps in to that middle of that situation to bring leadership, to bring help, to bring guidance to sheep that had no shepherd. I believe Jesus can speak right to you. He can step right into your situation right now to do that as well. But you can't react like Ahab. When Ahab heard that prophecy, he was dismissive. When Ahab heard that opportunity to not have to end in death, but, but walk into life, he dismissed it. And he said, see, it's always negative. Goes to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? He was right, but he's still wrong. The scary thing to me is that here he is justifying his ignorance. <laughs> oh, oh, you got it right. See, he, his goal was never to prophesy evil. His goal was to give you an opportunity for life. Scary thing is many times we, if we don't pursue the word of God and we just stick to our own preconceived notions, we can get caught in a cycle, a self-fulfilling cycle of pain, a self-fulfilling cycle of, 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 of dishonesty. So, so that it's, it's even a filter through which we see the world. Instead of him seeing truth, the filter that he had, that this guy is against him, that's what colored the words from God to him. And, and, and he dismissed them, the very words that were supposed to bring life, he dismissed them because of his ignorance. I challenge you, don't let that be you. Someone that says, well, nothing good happens to me. Well, maybe God's bringing you even to hear these words, to begin to bring wisdom into your life, hand you the word of God, get a good crew around you. Don't speak those words into reality and then double down on them every time something bad happens. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, a self-fulfilling cycle. It could become a filter through which now the pattern that you're detecting through life is every bad thing is because God's against me. Flip that thing around. Begin to say, I don't know what's happening right now, but I know God is for me. Let me begin to look for that pattern. Maybe if you say over and over, well, I think God is against me. Can I, can, I, can I challenge you? Don't let that be the pattern that you search after in life. Don't let that be the filter by which you filter things. Begin to flip those words around. God, you are for me. God, you are for me. You're not against me. All of a sudden, as you speak that truth, it will lead you away from death and into life.
I pray that we as a church, we're not dismissive in our reactions, but we are searching after God's truth and God's word more than anything else. That's my challenge to you this week. Watch what you hear. Watch what you listen to. Watch what you speak. Watch what you agree with. Tune into truth. Search out God's voice over man's voice. Let that be the filter. Would God say this to me? Does this agree with the word of God? Is this, is this what God would do in my situation? How he would lead me? How he would lead my family? Because right now, in 2020, no one's going to lead you but you. I pray that you are led by Jesus. You're strong and stable in your leadership. And that um, the waves of this year do not drown you. But I pray they teach you to become a better swimmer. That you, you become a strong, stable survivor. A veteran of the spiritual wars. And then when we come on the other side, we'll have a greater revelation of Jesus. So my challenge to you is watch what you hear. More worship than noise. More word than news. More believers than downers. More faith than fear. More wisdom than worldliness. More Jesus than anything else. I hope you hear heaven's truth over your life. Hear heaven's truth over your home. You hear heaven's truth over the noise of the world, that you tune in and follow God's voice. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.